0: Manage Self, Lead Others podcast with Nina Sunday. My guest today is Sarah Derry. She's Head of Talent and Culture Australia for Accor Hotels. And I read the most amazing article in Human Resources magazine about how excited she is about the future. So that piqued my curiosity. So I've invited Sarah today. Welcome, Sarah. Thanks, Nina. Great to be here. And I believe that you were, uh, prior to Accor Hotels, you were involved with People Reaching Potential. Can you tell us a little bit about that organisation? Absolutely. Well, actually, um, People Reaching
1: Potential, which um, we called PRP, was actually a business I started. Um, So really wonderful opportunity for me to set up a business um, some sort of 13 years ago. And um, I had a young family at the time, had my first daughter, and... um, I had a a desire to sort of really sort of connect with people. And my passion was really about finding that potential in individuals or organizations and helping them achieve their best. So from there, uh, very humble beginnings. Um, I was very fortunate to work with some great clients and went on and became an executive coach um, and did a lot of what we call transformation work around culture and obviously working with, with leaders. And that was just an incredible experience. Um, over those uh, sort of 10 years that I ran the business. Accor was actually one of my clients, a very good client. Um, and so the opportunity, and so I knew the business um, in a way. I knew it through the people and um, I had a strong sense of the culture, but I also felt that it was a place that I could make a difference um, with kind of helping it sort of kind of maybe move to the next level and it came to culture and development and leadership. So it was too, too good an opportunity not to step into that role when it came up.
0: It sounds like you're the perfect person to step in uh, into a role called talent and culture. Can you tell us about that uh, article that um, that had the headline excited about the future? Absolutely. Look, I got a lot of, um, you know, really great feedback about that
1: article from the point of view of, of there was a level of sort of um, optimism in it. And I think that. What's really important to be measured with that at the moment i mean our industry hospitality travel and tourism we've been deeply impacted by the pandemic that is absolutely true um and when i look at the you know the year that we've all had so many of our people you know have been impacted by hours and you know financially and their friends and family so when i look at it um there was a moment in time i remember it quite clearly where our ceo simon mcgrath said to me sarah this is going to be the hardest day it's going to be the day where the least number of people are going to be employed by us. And every day after that, we'll be bringing more people back because the business will return, it'll return slowly. And I remember that day, it was a Friday. Um, I remember the conversation and it was true. Um, After that, every decision we made beyond that was that the business was just coming back a little bit more. So you could bring a few more people on, you could extend people's hours. And so, and there was other wonderful things that happened, Nina, we were given globally a hardest fund, which was just incredible. Uh, a gift from um, the shareholders in terms of the dividend was given to team members for grants for people who were in financial um, hardship and impacted by COVID so I mean that that's been an absolute um, gift to our people and to us and to be able to do those grants has really sort of sustained me and I do see there's green
0: shoots coming that- and, that's
1: where there were, and I think there's, where that's a little bit of optimism comes from
0: we we are actually looking at recovery now um perhaps we're feeling a little bit more optimistic than we were you mentioned hardest so tell us about the hardest culture Heartest is, um, it's our foundation piece, it really
1: covers everything, and um, essentially there was a program called Peopleology some years ago that was developed by a core in this part of the world, and Peopleology was about the the art and the science of human connection, and that um, was successful in transforming the business into a much more sort of customer experience uh, organisation, you know, really obsessed about that in a way I guess is a good way to describe it. Um, When I came into the organisation, the peopleology, the concept of that had been sort of taken up globally. um, And there was an interest globally in sort of having this culture permeate our business worldwide. Um, But peopleology was quite embedded here. And um, globally, the word peopleology didn't work. And, you know, we were in a different place in this part of the world um, in terms of the cultural journey. And so the the name HARTIS was born. And that was something that resonated globally with people. And it's really the matching of two words, heart and artist. And so you become a heartist.
0: Oh, I didn't get that. I just saw yeah. and then is. So yeah. I love that um, yeah. energy and uh, synthesis of the two words. Now, yeah. are you saying that heartist came out of Australia to, and spread globally? Yeah, so it sort of it came, it came, was born from Peopleology, spread
1: globally. And then what happened was, um, you know, we are part of a global company. And so we really had to decide, um, well, were we're going to stay with Peopleology or embrace Heartist. And um, we, we decided absolutely, we went to the teams and um, we decided Heartist was something that, you know, we felt very strongly about and our people could connect to. But we had to have a different Heartist here because we had – you know, we'd been on this journey, the company had been on the journey for five years already, where the rest of the world was kind of starting out. So we sort of built our own version of Heartist um, based on sort of four key principles. And it's really about the heart and the art of human connection. So it's fundamental a piece around you know people being able to be who they are at work. And when you can do that, people can have exponential growth and the sense of satisfaction, and that just
0: flows across the organization. So that's what HARTIST is, is really about. So it's all about authenticity, bringing your authentic self to work. It's about being empowered because one of the things uh, we teach in customer service is the idea that you shouldn't have to ask permission if you feel that you need to give some gift in kind in, because someone's been disadvantaged or, or inconvenienced, um, but perhaps Hartest goes even further than that.
1: Yeah, there's two principles, I think, that really match it really well. And, and I think also what hardest is about is deeply about inclusion and diversity. Because one of the principles is every person has a story. And it's really this uh, notion that no matter who you are, what your role is, where you are in life, your story is as valuable as somebody else's story. And you need to get to know that. And that's the job of, um, of what we do, is getting to know someone's story, you know, what motivates them, you know, what, you know, maybe saddens them what um, matters to them in that moment and the other principle is that people hate to be wrong so it's a it's principle of you know that there's that adage of um, you know old adage in customer services that the customer's always right I think if you flip that we say you know people just hate to be wrong I hate to be wrong you probably hate to be wrong Nina but at the end of the day um, we know that we've got to accept it and then how do you sort of come together and, and give someone an amazing experience even when they feel that they have been wronged in some way
0: Absolutely. In fact, uh, it's about saving face and some cultures put great store in saving face, but we all want to save face. So we don't want to be shown to be wrong. In fact, it's uh, one of the skills in customer service is how to say no without using the no word. Now, when you say knowing people's story, you're not talking just about customers or or guests at the hotels, are you? You're talking about knowing the managers knowing the story of the people they they their team members is that right absolutely absolutely
1: um the hardest um that we've developed is some um, if we have a beautiful book um about the hardest journey and it's actually a, a two-sided book so one story is around the customer and the guest and then if you flip the book the other side is about the team member and they meet in the middle because that's sort of how we you know it's sort of the the actual physical representation of what happens in hotels and experiences And it's so important, and everyone should, you know, it's taking a moment to ask someone that question, um, to learn a little bit more about somebody else. Um, That's what it means to be a heartist. Sometimes it's the
0: small things. It's not always the big gestures that really matter. One of the uh, good behaviours of the manager is the ability to have one-on-ones with the people in their teams, their supporters. So have you got a policy on... Uh, how often a manager should be having a one-on-one as opposed to a team meeting, group meeting?
1: Yeah, well, most people who um, who are listening to this who know me will know that uh, I'm not a great one for policies and rules, uh, Nina, because I think that you've got to set good principles, philosophy, you know, some guidelines for people. And I think if you get the culture right, people will just innately do those things. So, no, we don't have a policy around that. But what we do ask is that you know your people and you have time for your people. And um, the other wonderful thing about, I remember when I started in the organization, when you have your own businesses, you know, Nina, you know, it's go, go, go when, you know, time, you know, you're focused on that dearly because it, you know, getting to the next appointment or meeting another client. And so sometimes you can be quite um, rushed in in the way that you operate and um when I started in this business I would walk into a meeting and I'd be like right great let's go run through the agenda okay what are we here to meet about and then I'd sort of go on to the next thing and I pretty soon worked out that that's not the culture of the organization it was great Sarah but how was your weekend how are the girls and I'd be like okay and so then you know within a very short period of time so it is that culture of taking time to get to know somebody. So we never start a meeting really without having an initial conversation about how you are, the family, those sorts of things.
0: How do you find out when you are recruiting people that they're going to be a good culture fit because they have to be open to that sort of emotional bank account, investing time to get to know people. What if they're just go, go, go people? Yeah, (laughs) well, I'm I'm a go, go, go person. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a go-go-go person, So, but I think you can still take the time, and I think it's that, it's that mind shift around um, that actually it's about creating the connection that will make the next conversation easier, and, and it is that investment piece that you talk about. But in terms of recruiting, um, because the culture is so embedded in our organisation with our leaders, they, have, they lead the culture. It's not led from my office or the CEO's office. You know, we're responsible for it. But actually, the leaders um, have to lead it in their business unit, in their hotel, in their department. So, I mean, they probably know more about Hardest than I do. Whenever we put a call out to the teams, like, let's, you know, kind of do this around Hardest, the, I, know, I don't put rules or guidelines around that because they always completely go beyond where I could have ever imagined. So, that's how deeply embedded it is. So, when they're recruiting, they're recruiting with that mindset. They know the four principles. We recruit around that. We talk to people about liquiding. you know, simple things like um, when someone, you know, walks into a hotel and they're there for an interview or something like that, you know, the way that they smile and they interact with the reception person, um, those things we look out for.
0: Sometimes people think that they're minions and they don't have to be nice to them because they're only going to be nice to the person interviewing them. And what they forget is maybe the interviewer is going to ask exactly how, how did they greet you? What would they like? I know I when i'm recruiting I absolutely the phone how were they on the phone
1: (laughs) absolutely and i think that's so important it's it's looking out for those things and it's a non-negotiable culture as well and so the very very first thing someone who comes into our organization does is the hardest session and nothing else they don't walk around the building they don't um you know fill in they just they you know they start with that and that sort of really sets the tone and within that people have an option if this isn't the place for you, that's totally okay. And, you know, very, very occasionally, we do have some people who decide that after going through the hardest session, maybe this isn't for them. And we're fine with that. Um, we set that very, very clearly.
0: So but you make you hard, uh, hardest pro- principles as part of the onboarding process. So people will then self select and go, uh oh, it's a bit too. Uh, warm and fuzzy here. I think I'll move. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Absolutely, and the wonderful thing about hardest that I think you know, even um, like go 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 people, as we referred to, uh, I referred to myself earlier. Um, it's actually deeply based on science. So the piece around hardest is that it is about beautiful warmth and caring, but it is deeply based on science. There's peer reviewed articles. Um, that make up part of our hardest book. You know, we use a lot of, um, you know, data and facts to support what we're talking about. So we have experts who, who are part of the hardest story as well. So um, it, it is the sort of thing that some people can be a little sceptical about when they hear about heart and artists coming together. But when you dig into the, the depth behind it, it's very hard to argue with the science behind why this matters and the difference it can create.
0: Yeah, it's very interesting you talk about the evidence-based approach because I've been reading some uh, work by a a Harvard professor, Amy Cuddy. Yes. About the warm personality. And the first article I read some years ago was about warm personalities are often perceived as not competent and cold personalities perceived as competent. And I went, oh, well, I'm a warm personality, so I guess I lose out there. (laughs) So. Are you familiar with
1: Amy Cuddy's work? Yeah, we actually utilise some of her research as part of the hardest book. So absolutely, I can resonate with that. And I think it does come down to that. That's that perception piece that you know that you you should certainly need to get to know people beyond the surface. That's and it. people have so much depth, and that's what um, is so amazing about when you connect with someone on a on a deeper level. What you get to know, um, and actually, it's such. It, to be honest, it's a gift. I think getting to know people.
0: Absolutely, and, and I love your concept of everyone has a story. A fellow, an author in the, in the UK, Theodore Zelda from memory, who wrote a book on the art of conversation, and he used to hold conversational dinners where the goal was everybody has a story, and you had to actually progress around the table to find out people's stories. Terrific approach to life, and uh, that's something that, uh, that you're actually now building into the culture. That's marvellous.
1: Absolutely, because it's the moment, so when you stay in a hotel or when you have a travel experience, it is about the physical surroundings but more importantly it's about the moments that you're having and the memories you're creating and so the only way we can really deliver to that is really by getting to know people well and to do that you have to kind of be that real deal you've also got to know that people crave belonging and i think that that's part of the hardest culture as well people want to be part of something they want that shared experience but what we're trying to do is um, the more that we can get to know our customers or our team members the more that we can tailor the experiences. Um, And that's why they keep coming back. And that's why our team members hopefully stay.
0: That's right. People at the front desk, are they encouraged to ask questions of the people that they're checking in so that it's not just a ho-hum, this is my job, but they're sort of uh, adding a little bit of their own personality and uh, humanity to the process. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. And I think that's really important. That's why one of the principles is,
1: that, you know, about being the real deal, um, as we call it. It's about that genuine self that you're bringing. You have to you know, you know, have to kind of show yourself to other people for them to be able to be open to you. But the, the most important things, if you're in reception or concierge in those um, frontline roles and, and food and beverage is kind of, not necessarily making um, snap judgments about people, but you do have to be kind of an observationist. You have to sort of know the person seems like they're in a hurry. They may just want to quickly get to the room. It's giving people the options. I know sometimes when I'm staying with my family, for example, in our wonderful hotels, I've got much more time for the conversation and the kids and talking and my husband and so on. And other times I might actually be entering and I might have my AirPods in, you know, finishing a conference call and the team are wonderful and they know hand over the key Um, you know get me to my room quickly so I could finish that conference call and then I can you know pop back later and I think it's not just me but that's you know that's what guests want they want they want us to take notice of where they're at in that moment what's important to them in that moment so I actually think it's a very it's such a critical job to be able to pick the moments with people and what they actually want because if you're in a hurry you don't want a 20-minute conversation to be asked about how many newspapers you want.
0: Absolutely and in fact I know that whenever I make a phone call I often ask the question is this a bad time to call because that way you're being responsive to people especially if you hear that you know they've answered it in a very impatient sort of way so that's all part of emotional intelligence isn't it? Absolutely and I think that's that's so important I mean this is our business is people
1: you know in terms of people who are coming through our hotels you know whether it's to have a business meeting to have a wedding celebrate a a christening a birthday whatever it might be and then this and then behind the scenes of what the guest sees all of that is happening for our people as well so um, yeah it's so important i do the same thing nina actually the first thing i do when i i bring people on their mobile phone or the officers say is this a good time to talk um, i think it's just respectful and it's acknowledging um, that you know their time is valuable as well
0: earlier you said that there were four key principles and i'm wondering if i could ask you what they are please
1: yeah. So um, the first one is around the real deal. So it's that genuine self um, people craving belonging. So the idea that we want to be part of something, um, every person has a story and um, obviously, you know, people hate to be wrong is the fourth. Um, one of the wonderful things we did when we moved from peopleology to harness was there were seven principles of peopleology. And it's a funny thing when we uh, went out and re. um you know, we looked at the content and it's completely a, a different program, but four of the principles have remained, but we've reinvented them and we've gone deeper. What actually I felt was really important when I got the feedback and we did a co-design methodology around developing HARTIS with some external consultants and experts. Our team were involved. Um, our CEO would even come down, you know, each page of the book, I would show him, he'd write his comments on and, and that. So it was really a wonderful process pulling it together and it, it involved um, so many parts of our business um, but what's yeah, what's really powerful about it is the simplicity. We were able to get to these four. What's really important was these four principles. Mm-hmm. But we had to go deeper into them, and that's what I believe is really the strength of hardest now is we really determine the four key things that are central to our culture, and we've gone incredibly deep on that. And so we we're able to go into you know the evidence and the science and and the why so much more. Plus, I, I think peopleology was more focused. It wasn't as focused on the team. Um, it was assumed that it would kind of naturally flow to the team. But I think we had to make that more overt and we really had to say very clearly to our team members, um, you know, there's two parts to this story of equal importance. So there's the guest and community and the partners and then there's you.
0: We're coming to the end of our time uh, together, Sarah and I, but are there any uh, behaviours you've observed that are no-no's, managers de- have demonstrated that you've, you've coached them to actually change their ways. What are some, some poor behaviours that you think people should shift or, or change? Yeah,
1: um, absolutely. I mean, I think the one that I, I think about first and foremost, it probably relates to people craving belonging and being the real deal, um, and that is really when you make snap judgments about people and when you're not inclusive. So, you know, there's that unconscious bias, I suppose is what I'm talking about. I'm really passionate about that. And it can happen in recruitment. It can happen when people are being promoted. um, It can happen just in the day to day. And they're the behaviors that, you know, really have a zero tolerance for, um, where it is either conscious or unconscious bias. And, um, And that can be because of that person's experiences. They may not realize that they're doing it, but I think it's our job to shine the light on that because we truly believe that every person has a story um, that third principle then we, there's no place for that in the organization um, and then some of the hardest conversations but the most important conversations
0: have you got a favorite template when you are as a manager giving feedback one-on-one to someone
1: yeah i mean I, i'm very similar to that so it's sort of you know stating what you know you've observed talking about what the impact and, and how that made someone feel or what the experience was telling them but very clearly saying here's what i'd like to see yeah and then offering, you know, what support or development can I use? So I'm quite um, clear, um, and I think that's really important because for people to be able to improve and learn, myself included, you know, we need to be given very clearly the parameters around which where we have an opportunity to grow. And I think um, talking round and round something, people lose sight of that. So I, I keep it short. Mm. Caring, I keep it central in my mind that this is about someone's growth and development. And to be quite frank, I will no doubt learn something myself through that process and even be reminded that for myself, this is as important uh, because uh, nobody's perfect. We all slip up from time to time. And it's sort of every time that happens, it's a mirror for ourselves as well. So I think that's important.
0: Absolutely. And of course, the behaviour a manager accepts is the behaviour they condone. So you'd encourage your managers to always uh, give feedback fast uh close to the uh behavior not wait for it to sort of uh, add up so that you have this one big meeting every quarter that you list all the uh all the transgressions yeah i think i think what you've done is a disservice to the team member there
1: if you haven't given the feedback close to when it's happened because usually the person's unaware or they haven't understood the impact that that might have. And so actually letting them know then means that they can correct it uh, quickly. And so really there's almost, if you you do it well and you do it at the right time, then often you don't have to give that feedback again. So, um, you know, that's what's really important about the, the feedback piece, I think. And I think, you know, when you're gonna have a very clear culture with very clear guidelines, that's an absolute must. And look, I'm a senior leader in the organization um, obviously, um, you know, female as well. And I think it's really important that, um, you know, I know that I'm, whenever I'm speaking, I'm speaking for, you know, all our team members um, and also representing, you know, women as well. Um, and those sorts of elements are really important to be considered, to consider. So you've got to have a strong voice. And as you said, I mean, you know, any standard that you walk past is the standard that you're accepting. Um, so it's really important. And, and I love the way our team reach directly out to our ceo and give feedback or myself and give feedback that happens quite regularly we don't have a ask sarah or ask simon inbox they just know that they can do that and so um and sometimes we don't get it right and i think okay we just learned something through that ourselves how do we get better i think that's what i love about the company it's that uh, evolution piece that's it's always possible to do more and um to be more Is what we like to talk about
0: well sarah it's totally inspiring speaking with you in fact uh I think many managers could probably take a, a, a leaf out of your book. So uh, <laughs> thanks for sharing your, uh, your hardest principles today. And uh, sounds like you've got an amazing culture there at Accor. So what thousands of properties around the world. What are some of the brands of, of Accor?
1: Yep, absolutely. Oh, we have some wonderful brands. We've got Sofitel, Raffles, Pullman, Mercure, Peppers, Mantra, Break Free, Ibis, um, Fairmont there's um, quite a large number and some new ones coming into Australia we just announced last week the Mondrian brand coming into Australia on the Gold Coast um, we've got our first move and pick opening in Hobart um, this year uh, we've got wonderful SOs coming to Australia we've already got them in New Zealand um, so yeah we've got we're very lucky to have a large number of brands and I think that's what's wonderful about Accord too it's got such great reach um, and no matter what you're experiencing, um, you know, there's a place and somewhere you can stay in a core for you, and for the moment that you're having.
0: Thanks so much for your time today, Sarah, and uh, really appreciate uh, your contribution. Thanks, for- thanks, Nina. Thank you.